0: Hello, and welcome to this week's sermon podcast from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood. Here we preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether you find the message to be uplifting or challenging, comforting or even unsettling, we hope it will help you grow in faith and your relationship with God. Thank you for listening. To God be the glory. Good morning. This morning, the first reading comes from Ecclesiastes, chapters 1 and 2. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher, completely meaningless. I, the teacher, was king of Israel, and I lived in Jerusalem. I devoted myself to search for understanding and to explore by wisdom everything being done under heaven. I soon discovered that God has dealt a tragic existence to the human race— I observed everything going on under the sun, and really, it is all meaningless, like chasing the wind. I came to hate all my hard work here on earth, for I must leave to others everything I have earned. And who can tell whether my successors will be wise or foolish? Yet they will control everything I have gained by my skill and hard work under the sun. How meaningless! So I gave up in despair, questioning the value of all my hard work in this world. Some people work wisely with knowledge and skill, then must leave the fruit of their efforts to someone who hasn't worked for it. This, too, is meaningless, a great tragedy. So what do people get in this life for all their hard work and anxiety? Their days of labor are filled with pain and grief. Even at night, their minds cannot rest. It is all meaningless. Here ends the reading. The second reading is from Colossians chapter 3. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world. But now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. Here ends the reading. Please stand
1: for the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke's. Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, "Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not a measured, life is not measured by how much you own." Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, "What should I do? I don't have room for all my crops." Then he said, "I know, I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. The gospel of our Lord. Well, grace and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, I don't know about you. But I think many who hear today's parable, today's story that we just read, and who live in the U.S.-North American context may wonder, why is the rich farmer called a fool? We can easily argue that the rich man is a wise and responsible person. He has this thriving farming business. His land has produced so abundantly, that he doesn't have enough storage in his barns. So he makes these plans to build bigger ones to store all his grains and goods. And then he'll have this ample savings set aside so he can uh, sit back and enjoy his golden years. That seems like wisdom, doesn't it? And isn't that what we are encouraged to strive for um, in our lives? Isn't it wise to be responsible to sit and save for the future? Don't you hear that all the time? Save for your retirement. If you're um, in your 20s, people are probably saying to you right now, save for your retirement. We know that's hard, but save for your retirement. And people say, save for college so your children can go to college. And they say, save for your house so you can build equity. We hear it all the time. Well, ironically, this past week, while I was reflecting on these texts, a representative from Portico Benefits, which is the ELCA pension and health provider, uh, insurance provider for, you know, the ELCA congregations, a person stopped by the church just to kind of say, how are we doing, and she just happened to be in the area. How ironic is that? And my experience with porticle is that they're always telling the rostered leaders of the church, the pastors and um, uh, the deacons to be saving for their retirement and doing more than their congregations are doing, et cetera, et cetera. So this farmer, maybe he's a wise financial advisor because he's worked hard and he's saved and he can probably tell somebody else some good things of how to do that and how he can uh, encourage us to sit back and relax and enjoy the fruits of his labor. But there's this one little problem. There's this one important thing that the farmer did not plan for, and that was the time of his death. It seems like it came unexpectedly, and according to the lesson, it kind of sounds like God's punishing him, but I don't think that's the point. But it comes unexpectedly and God says to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So this rich farmer is not a fool because he's wealthy or because he saves for the future. I don't think that action is condemned by scripture at all. Do you remember Joseph, Old Testament guy, multicolored cult, technicolor coat? That was what the Broadway production was called. Do you remember Joseph? He helped rule Egypt. And if you do remember Joseph, you might remember he helped the people of Egypt survive a famine because together they stored up goods for seven years to use during the seven-year famine that followed. But we can see that this rich farmer is a fool because why he's considered foolish is because he lives only for himself and because he believes he can secure his life with his abundant possessions, that that will take care of everything. And the strange thing in this parable is that when this man talks, he talks only to himself. He's the only person he refers to. He says, well, what should I do, for I have no place to store my crops? Well, I'll do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I'll store all my grains and goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, drink and be merry. He was only about himself. The rich man's land has produced abundantly, Yet he expresses no sense of gratitude to God for the fact that he, the, the waters came and the sun, should and sun shone and it was kind of the perfect year for an abundant harvest. No gratitude to God for that. Nor does he express any gratitude for those probably uh, workers who helped him uh, plant and harvest this bumper crop. He has more grains and goods in storage than he could ever hope to use. Yet he seems to give no thought of maybe sharing that with other people or even sharing it with his workers and no thought of what maybe God might want him to do with that abundant crop. He's blind to the fact that life is not uh, is his own to secure and that life is a gift from God and that things really can change in an instant. Well, the rich man learns the hard way what the writers of Ecclesiastes from our first lesson said, he realizes the hard way, you simply can't take it with you. It's gone when you're gone. And all that we work for so hard for in life will end up probably in someone else's hands. And as Ecclesiastes puts it, who knows if they'll be wise or foolish? Who knows? But having possessions and stuff, if you will, is really a part of our lives, isn't it? We need some stuff. Some of you may be seasoned enough to remember George Carlin, a comedian, and he's got this routine. You can still watch it on YouTube if you'd like to look it up. And he talks about people's stuff. And I think the routine captures what drove the rich man to do what he did, when Carlin says, everybody's got to have a place to put their stuff. That's what life is all about, trying to find a place for your stuff. And he goes on and says, that's all your house is, is a place to keep your stuff. You know, you park your stuff in there, your car in your garage, you hang your clothes in your closet, you get it. And if you didn't have so much stuff, he, he muses, then maybe you wouldn't even need a house. But then he goes on and on and on from there. But it's all about stuff and how we try to keep it. And that's the reality. We do need stuff to live. We do need some shelter. We do need some clothes. We live in a a four-season area of the world. We do need these things. And I want to say stuff is not bad. Possessions aren't bad. Those are gifts from God. But our reality is also this, that no matter how much stuff we have, our context says we're always aware of that we need other things, that we don't have enough. This is the world in which we live. In fact, some might even say it's the job of the marketing business to convince us of all the products uh, we need to complete our lives. That's what marketing is about. That perhaps is an oversimplification. But what I observe in myself and what I observe in others is when you throw all this together, the end result is sometimes we just feel like we never have quite enough stuff. And like the rich farmer, we're tempted to think that having large amounts of money and possessions start up will make us secure. Sooner or later, however, we learn this, that no amount of wealth or property can secure our lives It can't stop things from happening. No amount of wealth can protect us from a genetically inherited disease, for instance, or maybe from an untimely death, or maybe from a tragic accident. Nothing like wealth can stop that from happening. And no amount of wealth can keep our relationships healthy and our families from falling apart. Wealth doesn't bind people together. In fact, wealth and property can sometimes even drive a wedge between family members, as in the case of the beginning of that gospel lesson where there's this inheritance and the brothers are fighting over it. It just can't do it. Most importantly, no amount of wealth can secure our lives with God. No amount of wealth can do that. In fact, Jesus repeatedly warns that wealth can get in the way of our relationship with God, and he says, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of possessions. And it's not that God doesn't want us to save for retirement or our future needs. I think God would be happy for us to be good stewards of what we have been given And it's not that God doesn't want us to eat, drink, and be merry and enjoy what God has given. I think God wants us to enjoy the gifts of this earth. And we know Jesus does that in the gospel lessons. He's often eating and drinking with people and enjoying life. But it's where our security lay. That's what we're struggling with today. It's all about priorities. It's about who is truly God in our lives. It's about how we invest our lives in the gifts that God has given us. It's about how our lives are fundamentally aligned. Are they aligned just for ourselves and our desires? It's all about us. Or are they aligned toward God and our neighbor and toward God's mission to bless and redeem the world? I think that is why I like this story that I read by a woman named Florence Ferrier who was a social worker who lived in poverty-stricken Appalachian, Appalachia. And she titled this story that she recorded called We Ain't Poor. Florence writes, The Sheldons were a large family I served who had been through a severe financial distress after a series of misfortunes. And the help they received was not really adequate, yet they managed their meager income with ingenuity, and without complaint. One day I visited uh, the Sheldons in their ramshackle rented house they lived in at the edge of the woods. And despite this physical handicap Mr. Sheldon had, he had shot and butchered a bear which had strayed into their yard one too many times. Well they processed the meat into all the big canning jars they could find or swap for and they dried it too. So there would be meat in their diet during the worst winter when, their few, or the winter when their fuel costs were high. On that day, Mr. Sheldon offered me a jar of bear meat, and I hesitated to accept it, but the giver met my unspoken resistance firmly, saying, now you just have to take this. We want you to have it. We don't have much, but we um, ain't poor. I couldn't... Re- this asking, what's the difference? And his answer proved unforgivable, unforgettable. When you can give something away, even when you don't have much, then you ain't poor. When you don't feel easy giving something away, even if you got more than you need, then you're poor, whether you know it or not. Florence continued, I accepted and enjoyed their gift and treasured that lesson in living In time, I even saw it as a spiritual lesson. Knowing that all we have is provided by God, it seems ungracious to doubt that our needs will be met only by hoarding every morsel we're given. So when I feel myself resisting an urge to share what's mine, or when I see someone freely sharing from the little he has, I remember Mr. Sheldon saying, we ain't poor, and I would add, I try to remember we are blessed. The Sheldon sharing, their lives were aligned with God's care for the neighbor. The Sheldon sharing, their lives showed how blessed they were. And I think so it is with us. It's all about remembering and calling to mind each day that we are blessed by God in many ways. And we have been blessed not just for our well-being, not just so we will be all right. We are blessed so we can bless others too. A pastor said, an older pastor said, I've heard many different regrets expressed by people nearing the end of their lives, but there's one regret I've never heard expressed. I've never heard anyone say, I wish I hadn't given so much away. I wish I had kept more for myself. Death, you see, has this way of clarifying what really matters for us. And maybe that's uncomfortable to say, but it is, seems to be the truth. All that we have, all our possessions, are not our own. And I would even add, all that this congregation has is not its own. These teachings are not just for us as individuals or for congregations. I think it raises uh, concerns, and uh, teach- this teaching can even challenge communities. Everything belongs to God. Individuals and congregations and communities are just merely stewards of this stuff for a time that we are on earth. And our goal, our challenge is to use it for the well-being of all people. And yes, this truth is actually good news that it's all God's. Because all that we are and all that we have belongs to God. And in the midst of that, here's the good news. Our futures are secure nonetheless because of Jesus Christ's love. It's all been said. It's all done. We have had everything accomplished we need to have accomplished. So Jesus says to us, don't be afraid, uh, little flock. It's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So to trust that good news that you are already a part of God's kingdom. It's all done, folks. There's nothing you need to do. You are there. You are in God's love and embrace. And then go, and then go and bless the world with those many gifts that you all have, which we all have, which have been given to us from God. Go bless the world. It needs your love. Amen.
0: Thanks again for listening to this week's message from Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Kenwood please browse our website for other opportunities to grow in faith or serve the Lord. If you are able to worship with us at any time, we would be most honored by your presence.